Hi everyone, thank you so much for making time and space in your life to join us tonight. My name is Samantha Joanne of Rooted Alignment and I am elated to be here in this capacity with you. And by here, I mean here in this virtual community that we're all co-creating with Divine Wellness, but also here in rural Missouri um, on some private property that I do have explicit permission to be on and harvest from. That's something I want to bring our awareness to um, as far as working with these plants is that we're working with a whole ecosystem. So having reverence for that ecosystem and the land and the current stewards of that land is really important. And I know here in Missouri, the general law with um, conservation areas and state parks is that you can harvest aerial parts of the plant. So anything that touches the air, no roots or underground parts. Um, and each each place kind of has different limits, but in general, it's one gallon per person per day. Unless it's mushrooms, then usually you can have two gallons per person per day for your harvest. But that doesn't mean go harvest every plant that you see or every mushroom that you see. We wanna be really conscious about the sustainable um, impact that we could be having or the impact we could be having on that plant's ability or mushroom's ability to keep reproducing. Um, so with that being said, I did not grow any tobacco this year or I would offer that to the land. Instead, I'm going to offer a little bit of homegrown cannabis. I invite you to spend a moment of gratitude thinking this land is the container and the space that you are in as well. Hmm. Before we get into the heart of today's program, I feel like I should offer a few disclaimers about herbalism in general. I am a student doctor of chiropractor, of chiropractic, but I'm not any of your doctors and none of you are my clients. So nothing that I share with you tonight or throughout this series is intended to be a personal diagnosis or prescription, even if I use that language. So keep that in mind and be sure to work with your own healthcare professionals um, in regards to inviting new chemicals into your body, which is exactly what we're doing when we partake in herbal communion. And with that also being said, your healthcare professionals are wonderful, but your intuition is key. Your intuition is going to be the actual guide through this herbal journey. So if anything that I say doesn't resonate with you, listen to that. Listen to your intuitive knowledge. If anything I say comes through really strongly as something that does really apply to you, listen to that and dive deeper into it. Um, but certainly be aware that you are the steward of what is going into your body and everything we put into our body has the potential to be medicine. Now, herbalism is a little different than pharmaceutical Western medicine is in that we're not trying to treat the symptoms. So anytime you're working with plants, we're working to enhance and amplify our body's innate intelligence and innate healing abilities. So it is a slower process, which is why this series is designed to also be slow. Sorry if you can hear the dogs barking in the background. It's part of the outdoor life on private, private property. Um, and this slow process will actually go a lot quicker than my original um, dive into herbalism was because my teacher required me to ally with my plants for an entire year, which then turned into 
three years, having a full maiden, mother, and crone year with each individual plant. And for my personality, that was a challenge, a really difficult challenge. Even to this day, I have a hard time practicing that fidelity with one plant as a at a time as I'm diving into all of the information that the plant is bringing forward. So I encourage you to sit with your impatience, if you're like me, um, and to trust in this process because over the next month of working with this plant that we find tonight for you as your individual plant ally, each week we're going to continue to go deeper and open ourselves to the ways that we are already in communion with the plants around us, but also to the ways that we can deepen that intimacy and find new ways to let that plant into our lives. Now, when I say plant ally, it might be a new term for some of you. And if you have a spiritual background, maybe it would be helpful to think of a plant ally as a spiritual guide that's grounded here in this plane and dimension with us. If that sort of language doesn't work for you, maybe it would be helpful to imagine the ecosystem as a party. We've all been to a party. Now, the plants are most definitely the hosts of this party because they're the only things that can eat the sun and do photosynthesis. I know a lot of uh, soil microbiologists right now, I can hear them arguing with me, but we cannot have this party happening without our plant host. And when you walk into a field or a meadow, a forest, any habitat, maybe your own backyard, this party is happening. These plants are all interacting together. And if you know some of them, that's like knowing the host of the party. You walk in like, oh, hey girl, I know you. Prunella vulgaris, there's plantain, there's dandelion. And it can make you feel safer in your own environment. It can make you feel invited to be in this space and share this space with the plants that are already there. And what else do I want to say about that? I guess before we start trying to identify our own individual plant allies, I wanna remind you that you're all already working with plants in some capacity. You already have plant allies, even if you don't call them that, plants that you eat or put on your skin, spices that you use. Um, a lot of our products have natural basis. So this might not be as far of a stretch for you to find your plant ally as you think. It's probably right under your nose. My teacher has a, believe, a belief that plants go where they're needed. So it's not uncommon that you will find your plant ally in your backyard or in your windowsill, depending on your situation. Hmm. Now I've mentioned that my teacher taught me to do a three year ally, a relationship with these plants. And in the first year, it's the maiden year with them. That's when we're getting really excited about them and in that honeymoon phase of dating them, finding all the ways to put them in and on us. And then we move into the mother phase the next year where we get to be a little bit more intentional about using the plant, less enthusiastically throwing it at everything and more specific about when we're using it, when we're harvesting, what parts we're harvesting and for what. And then finally in the crone year, that's when we're in that space of wisdom to be able to share our plant allies with others and trust that we're doing so in the appropriate timings and places. And that can be sped up for you in the context of this course, or you can choose to spend an entire year with your plant or an entire three years with your plants. I have been allied with dandelion for many years now. I've also had plant allies that 
I didn't feel particularly excited about at first. Um, one that comes to mind because it's right here in my peripheral is poison ivy. When I it was my third year of herbalism and I kept doing meditations. I kept going on plant walks and the plant that kept calling to me that I kept seeing everywhere was poison ivy. And I just resisted. I didn't want it to be. I wanted to have some sort of like glamorous plant ally or like Damiano or Shishandra Berry, something sexy. And poison ivy did not feel like that for me. But in my year of allying with it, I finally gave in and started learning. Obviously, I wasn't going to put it in and on my body but it had a lot to teach me about awareness medicine and gatekeeping. And in that experience, I found that there's no wrong choice. So release any expectations you have about what plant you think you wanna be allied with, because all the plants wanna work with you, but there's 300,000 of them. So it's helpful to find one to dive in with and then let them introduce you to their cousins and their friends and find the patterns from there. So wherever you are right now, I'm going to move into kind of a visualization activity of sorts to help each of us as individuals hone in on the plant that is right for us. This plant will hopefully be the plant that you use throughout the rest of the month and even in our workshop in October, that first weekend when we actually start to make some products together. Um, but if your ally is something like poison ivy um, or wild parsnip, you might not find that workshop quite as applicable and in which case you can borrow dandelion from me. Um, so um, throughout this journey tonight, I encourage you to not seek, but to stay open to the plants that are already in your life. And wherever you are, I would love to invite you to come to a comfortable seat and let your eyes get heavy. Tune into your breath without any judgment, without any attempt to change it. Recognize the patterns of your inhales and exhales. Notice if you're holding at the top or bottom and sit with that breath for a few cycles. And on an exhale, I want you to exhale all of that carbon dioxide with gratitude and as a gift for the plants that are around you and in your life. Inviting them to take that carbon dioxide and alchemize it into oxygen and return it back to you. Giving those exhales up willingly, gratefully. recognizing that we are already in communion with the plants that are all around us. I will give you your breath if you give me mine. I will give you my breath if you give me yours. So on an inhale now, take that in with gratitude for all of the transpiration that the plants have done. Take your carbon dioxide and change it back to a usable form for you. Give it back to them with your exhale and sit in this communion breath, drawing deeper and deeper into yourself until you feel comfortable to call out to the universe asking for your plant ally. It can be a simple question, it could be a memory. 
I invite you to think about the last plant that you put in your body. Maybe it was for dinner or lunch. Think about that plant with gratitude for giving you nourishment, cellular potential. And I invite you to remember further back to a plant from your childhood. You don't have to know the name of the plant. Just a vague memory of its essence is enough to pass on gratitude. Think about how this plant has shown up in your life since your childhood, if at all. Now I invite you to think about a time that was significant to you in some way. Try to transport and astrally project yourself into that space and time. And as you're here, I want you to look around in your peripherals and see, are there any plants that you recognize or any plants that are calling out to you? They don't have to be in blossom. It could just be a leaf that you catch. Hold on to that. Thank the plants in your life for giving you breath, for giving you nourishment, the sun eaters. Now ask the universe again if there's a plant that wants to come forward to be your guide for this journey through our Herbal Communion series and beyond. If it's not clear, that's okay. If there's thousands coming at you, that's okay. You don't have to make any choices right now. There's no choice to be made and there's no wrong answer. Notice the patterns of the plants that you see, if you see any at all, of the colors you see, of the shapes that you see. These are all clues from your intuitive psyche. Come back to that breath. The exhale is the gift. The inhale with gratitude. And when you are ready, I invite you to slowly flicker your eyes open and see if there are any plants in your view right now. Can you see any in your peripherals? Or any louder than others? Hmm. Come back into your physical body, whatever that means for you. Wiggle your hands and toes. You can bring heat back in, whatever's helpful to bring you back into this space. Hmm. And you might not have a name for your plant at this point. You might not even have a specific plant right now, and that's okay. But if you do, I want you to come up with your own name for it. Whatever you're imagining, what would you call it? It might not be anything you've heard. Try to really get in touch with your inner child for this. Children are much better at this activity than adults usually. I once went on a plant walk with Lisa Ganora and she reminded me that just because you have something you call someone doesn't mean you know them. 
So I like to remember that when I am working with botany, I can learn the names of lots of plants, but that doesn't mean I know them. But the next phase of our activity together tonight is going to be moving towards coming up with the actual botanical name for this plant that you have hopefully seen. And if not, that's okay too. The name that you made up or that came through to you that you plucked from the collective for this plant ally that you've seen is officially a folk name for that plant. This is how folk names come to be. Someone feels moved to call a plant something based on their communion with it and their time they've spent with it. And that's beautiful and valid and can often tell you a lot about the plant's characteristics. Oftentimes these names that come through are related to how the plant behaves or appears. However, some of you in this group might have come up with the same name for different plants. And that is common in botany. We see that a lot, a lot of dual common names and folk names for plants and especially throughout different cultures. So I honor the folk names of these plants and I love to know them and I love to create some as well. But it's also very important that you spend some time to properly key out and botanically identify your plant based on its binomial name. And that binomial name is often Latin. The name is significant because the two parts of it are the genus and the species. Now let's rewind back to your last biology course, whenever that was. Maybe you remember that silly acronym. Uh, what was it? Uh, Kingdom phylum. Oh, so it's King Philip came over for good spaghetti. Do y'all remember that one where we talked about kingdoms and phylums and classes and orders and then families, genus, and species? Well, tonight we're mostly going to be speaking about families because there's 300,000 plant species, which is a lot to talk about. But about 150,000 of those are all fit into 15 plant families. Now, there are 620 plant families total, and these families all have their own characteristics. One day I would love to be the sort of person that could tell you the characteristics of all of them, but honestly, even just by learning the biggest three families, you know thousands of plants, even if you can't identify them to their botanical species name, you can likely get their family and genus from it, which is really wonderful. And there's many resources to help us learn these patterns. Um, I took quite a few college courses in botany and they were tedious and boring and I did not love them. We didn't do a lot of field work. And so I would learn lots of names of plants, but then be walking right over them outside and have no idea. So my favorite way to learn them is to find a plant and then key it out. And when I say key it out, I mean using a dichotomous key. A dichotomous key is really common in all taxonomy and nomenclature. Thanks, Carl Linnaeus. Um, and it's kind of like a choose your own adventure novel. You remember like Goosebumps book, if you want to go in the scary alley, turn to page seven. If you'd rather go down the well, turn to page 13. Um, it's kind of like that, except for it's more like if the plant has opposite leaves, go to section six. If the plant has alternate leaves, go to section seven. Um, and you follow that step narrowing it down until you have your plant species. And it's honestly a really simple process. The part about it that is intimidating is the language. Um, 
but that's accessible. It's all easily Googleable. You can look up any of the words that you find, but tonight I'd like to talk about some of them and hopefully I can even post a handout to our page for next week. Um, and I see Jeff nodding his head and thumbs upping. So um, I'll put together a little handout for you all to help with this identification and some of the basic botanical terms, but it's helpful to know that when we categorize plants, now we're moving towards genetics, but traditionally this has been done based off of the flower and the leaf. So depending on what part of the life cycle you found your plants in, um, you might not be able to key it all the way out if you don't have all of the parts. So keep that in mind. And that's also another reason why it's helpful to have a relationship with your plant for a long time and throughout its entire life cycle so that you can be sure you've seen it in all of its phases. You don't know it until you can find its bones in winter. Um, so when we think about these botanical terms, I'm going to start with the leaves because the leaves are more readily seen and available. The flowers are usually um, visible for a shorter window of time because they take a lot of energy for the plant to sustain. And so there's, you'll come across different things that describe the leaf shapes, and some of them are really intuitive. Linear, kind of like a line. Um, ovate is kind of like an, uh, it's got more of an oval bottom. There's, I'm trying to think of some of the really obvious ones. Um, that'll be one that I think the leaf shapes and bases and tips will just be easier to show you in a handout, so I won't waste our time talking about it right now, but understanding the arrangements of the leaves is something I can show you, and that's something that will help from the very basis. One of the first questions in your dichotomous key is, what is the arrangement? And the options are going to be alternate, opposite, or world. And that might seem obvious, but it can be tricky when you're looking at the plant. You want to follow the leaf all the way down to where it meets the stem, and there'll be a little nodule there that tells you it's a true leaf. You find where those are and you see if they're exactly parallel to each other, straight across like this, they're opposite. If it's more like a ladder where there's one and then the stem comes up, pretend my body is the stem. <laughs> there's one, the stem comes up, then there's another, the stem comes up, then there's another, then there's another building all the way up like that. That's alternate in that alternate step. World is where there's multiple leaves coming out from the exact same point on the stem. So that's something, a pine tree is the most classic example. It comes to mind as I describe that, or Joe Pieweed or gravel root, maybe that's some of your allies. But that is gonna be leaves all the way around like a tutu. Knowing that can help get you started on this journey with keying it out. And of course, I am available through Instagram at Rooted Alignment to help you with your botanical identification. And it's important that for this week, um, I encourage you to find ways to commune with this plant without picking it. I want you to draw it. I want you to try to key it out using different um, online botanical guides are available. I'll also post one on our page. Um, there's tons of books. If you have any plant identification book for your state, I'm sure it has a key in it. Um, but if you are struggling with this dichotomous key, if this isn't how your brain works, another more retroactive approach is learning it from the families. So you can learn some simple plant families. Thomas Elpel has this great book, Botany in a Day. This is the approach I've used a lot since coming out of the academic world, where he goes in and tells you about the patterns of each family. There's colored pictures to help. Um, and you don't have to read the whole book. It's like a reference guide. You can flip through this 
your local library probably has a copy and just see like, oh, this reminds me of my plant. This reminds me of my plant and use that to kind of start honing in. But this is an investigative process and an intuitive process. So don't be afraid to be wrong, but certainly don't eat it until you know for sure what we're working with. In fact, I'm not going to encourage us to eat these plants for quite a while in this series. It's part of that um, slow relationship that we're building with these plants. Um, there's also apps for plant ID. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I have many friends who rely heavily on their plant ID apps. And some of them even are in collaboration with graduate schools and seem to be really effective. So that can be another wonderful resource. A resource that I've used when I have had a hard time identifying plants is the um, Master Naturalist. I believe they're in every state. I know for sure Missouri's got a solid group of Master Naturalists. It's usually through the extension office of the universities. And Master Naturalists are some of the most amazing biologists and botanists that you will find in your area. And they're eager and excited to come help you look at your plants and key them out for free. That's what they love to do. So I encourage you to obviously tap into me and the divine wellness community, but also your local community and the people that are working with plants and love plants around you. Um, and trust in the language of the plants coming in time. Like all of these terms, as far as the leaf shapes and different botanical terms related to the reproductive organs of the flowers, like it's all just practice and learning it and seeing it and eventually you'll start to pick up on your own little uh, keys to help you like stamen, stamen, it's the male productive part of the plant, little stuff like that. And I, for that, find children's books and children's websites to often be really helpful for some of that basic botanical stuff when you're getting started. Um, so no matter where you are in this journey or how in depth your biology background is, there's a place for you and your plant ally wants you to jump in. And like I said, even if you don't know this plant's name by next week, you're still in communion with it. You're still right on track with this program. And together um, and as a group, I'm confident that we'll be able to at least get it to the genus. Um, so yeah, is there anyone here who has not found their plant ally yet? That's great to see. I know some people that are tuning in later um, and watching this as a recording, the visualization activity might not be quite as potent if it's not live. And one thing I encourage is to do your own, instead of visualizing it, do your own plant walk. That can literally be through your house. Look around and see what pictures of plants do you have? What screensavers come up that you're like, oh, I love that. What is in your spice cabinet? What's in your refrigerator? What's in your backyard? what's in your favorite body lotion or shampoo, you are already using plants. So I encourage you to find the ones that have already been calling out to you and dive in from there. Um, yeah. What else do I want to say about that? The other thing I wanted to mention about plant families though, is that these, the, this, framework of having a plant ally, this one single plant that you're working with, this plant is related to all the plants in its genus, all the plants in its family. And so once we start to recognize things like, oh, my mint has a square stem and opposite leaves. Oh, all mints have a square stem and opposite leaves. And then you learn things like, oh, all mints in the United States are edible, all native mints. So 
that sort of information is a gift from your one mint plant ally that's come through from you just knowing that one plant. You're now able to identify a whole family based off of the stem uh, shape and that arrangement, that opposite arrangement that we talked about with the leaves. That's also a really great one for kids. We love mints for that. Um, and there's so much to talk about with these family patterns and such a, um, I feel like that is really my dictionary for the plant language more than these dichotomous keys and the botanical journals and such. I feel like when I learn to talk with the plants, I don't actually hear any voice but my own. I'd love to imagine it with a sweet accent or something, but when I'm talking to the plants, I'm looking at the plant's characteristics and I'm looking at these family patterns and I'm looking at um, the environment that it's in and around and seeing what does this plant need? Is this plant thriving? Is this plant ready to be harvested? All of these sort of things come through as we spend time with them and as we learn about their families and what they and how botanists have categorized them together and why. It's significant. Um, so significant, in fact, that I would love to offer like a a botanical series this winter where each week we focus on one family at a time. So that way you can kind of let your plant allies introduce you to more families, more in their family and more families that are like them. So keep your eye out for that. Um, and how am I doing on time here? Okay, we're right at 5.30. So I will wrap up a little bit here and send you with some homework. We've talked about it already, but I would love for you to identify the botanical nomenclature, um, which is the two, the binomial name, probably in Latin, for your plant ally. I will post some resources. I encourage you to dive in as well. You have access to all of the things that I do. Um, and once you find it, it would be really cool if you could post a picture of it on Instagram and tag me, Rooted Alignment, so I can both confirm what plant you're working with and your identification of it, but also to see what we're all working with, because next week we're going to be talking about toxic twins, which are the poisonous lookalikes. And if I know which plants everyone is working with, I can focus specific to you. So please do that. And if you're an overachiever like me, and that doesn't feel like enough homework for you, I also encourage you to begin the communion process. Like I said, it's already happening with you breathing, with you setting the intention to work with these plants. It's happening, but your awareness of it um, kind of creates this energetic portal, opens the energetic portal, and lets the universe know this is the journey that you're on and will help channel the information to you so you can trust that the information that comes and sticks is the information that you need. Some ways that you can do that are that conscious breath work, thanking them for their breath, giving them yours, um, including them in your altar if you have one or creating an altar just for your plants. You could plant seeds. Right now is kind of a tricky time for that. So indoors would probably be recommended, but even if it's just to watch the seed germinate, um, any process of engaging with this plant is beautiful and recommended for homework. You could also, um, if you're artistic in any way, or even if you're not, I encourage you to draw the plants. I am not an artist. I don't identify as one at least. And so um, it can be tricky for me to make art with my plant allies because I feel like I'm not doing them justice. 
But what I found is it actually helps me to see the little nuances, to notice the little serrated edges of their leaves, to notice the pattern of their veins. Um, and even if it doesn't come out looking perfect, it still comes out as a snapshot of where I'm at with that plant right then in that moment of time. And one tool that my teacher, who is an artist, uses, um, Rebecca often takes her pen and does contour drawings where she will only look at the plant and she will draw it without taking her pen or pencil off the paper. And it doesn't usually look like the plants in a lot of ways, but that is her um, visual kinesthetic attempt to learn the patterns of the plants. So I definitely um, would love to see your art if you're willing to share it. And if your art is like wind song, perhaps you want to make a song for your plant or you know a song for your plant, or you just want to go out and sing a song that you already know to your plant. They would love it. They would take all of your carbon dioxide and give it back to you. So I hope that this is inspiration and you can find already other ideas and other ways that you want to start honoring this plant and inviting it to be in your life, opening up this relationship. Um, dating it, if it were. And um, else? does anyone have any questions before we wrap up? Yeah, I have a question. Sure, go ahead. Um, I love um, turf, like fescue and bluegrass. Yes. And I just planted seeds a week ago. They're just today sprouting. Um, yeah. so, I mean, I love, 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 love. But is that something that would be an ally or should I get something? Oh, Steve, I love that you asked that. I hate the Poesi family personally, but I think that they would be a wonderful ally for you. My mother is the sort of person that has a European courtyard. If I could figure out Zoom, I would show you her yard right now. It drives me crazy. There's like not a dandelion to be seen, but it brings her so much joy and she enjoys the stewardship that comes with it the mowing of it and the sitting out and enjoying it encouraging my son to play soccer on it that sort of stuff and so i do see it as a really powerful ally for her and that it gets her outside and if it gets you outside if it gets you looking out your window if you look out there and have a breath of appreciation that's absolutely your ally i will tell you um botanizing the specific plant species of grasses often requires a microscope <laughs> because the flowers on it are so small, but it's not impossible. And if you know the seeds that you already planted, you might be able already to go out there and see the differences in their growth patterns and their germination um, and being able to find those little nuances between them. Um, and with that being said, Native Americans love uh, sweet grass. That's a huge ally in that entire culture and many cultures actually. So there's, lots of grasses that I know of that are being used medicinally. I don't know about like fescue or bluegrass specifically, but it's definitely something we can dive into together. And I encourage you to, um, to yeah, appreciate that ally. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Hey, SJ, I want to thank you. That, this has been amazing. I'm- Oh, good. So many people have said that they're looking forward to this and it's a pretty unique Pretty unique thing so thank you so much absolutely uh, i just created a what's called a community on thinkific and we're still sort of experimenting with this uh, but it's called herbal communion group and so absolutely. in addition to instagram that could be a place it's basically you can post 
text and pictures and perfect and then we can all see it together we can all see it exactly so great um, well i will work on some handouts to upload to that tonight related to botany and um dichotomous keys specifically um i also have an activity i know i'm a little over on time so if you have to drop out that's totally fine i'm not offended um but for those of you that can stay tuned in another um activity for communing with plants and finding your plant ally is going on a physical plant walk and if i could bring all of you here that's absolutely what we would do but um you can do this on your own and one of the ways to make that really effective is lisa Ganora's four s's is that the right way for you all i don't know <laughs> the four s's scratch sniff savor so again, I'm not encouraging anyone to consume plants yet, but our ancestors didn't learn about what plants were poisonous by eating them and dying. If they did, they wouldn't have, you know, procreated to be our ancestors. Um, they did this process of learning what plants they could eat through an intuitive mammalian process that we all still have in us. We just haven't activated our organoleptics as much um, traditionally in our culture. And oftentimes we use a lot of toxins and our perfumes and such that can dull out those senses. But if you feel moved, I encourage you to go for a walk in your backyard or local park. And if you find a plant that you're drawn to, perhaps it is your plant ally, go up to it. And when I say scratch and sniff, I don't mean like sniff it like a girl just gave you a flower. Like, no, this is not a cute process. You want to turn into a wolf. I want to see you like scratch it. You're trying to break those cell walls. I've got a little grass here. I can do it. If a plantain would be better, a bigger leaf. Here we go. So scratching it, breaking it up really good. And then when you sniff it, trying to really pull that scent all the way back through every layer in your olfaction um, to get to your thalamus, I guess is where we would keep those um, memories, right? And just letting that scent sit there because later you can use that and be like, oh, maybe you see a plant and it's not in flower, but you sniff it and can remember that's that plant I saw on that plant walk. So that's the first step, scratch and sniff, first two steps. Then savor and spit, be very careful here. Lisa Ganora recommends choosing a piece of the plant that is the size of the moon on your thumbnail. Now I know not all of us have those, I think it's related to your cuticle, um, but you can imagine that very small, tiny piece, you would take a very small amount and put it in your mouth and savor it chew on it, move it around, add your saliva to it, which has amylase in it to break down the carbohydrates and start letting that sit in your mouth and feel, is it tingling? Is it burning? Does it, do I want to swallow it? Don't, but just recognize what sort of feelings come up as you do that. Am I repulsed by this or do I want more of it? And then the final S, which is very important is spit, spit that last piece out. And once you do that, that's, um, the first step in a organoleptic plant walk and finding a plant ally. And Lisa Ganora talks about um, people in Appalachia doing this for two weeks with plants that they don't know. And once they've done that for two weeks and they'll start doing bigger pieces until they know that it's a safe plant to eat, um, which that's not the sort of journey that we're all going on with our herbal communion, but it's neat to know that that is a way that people even to this day decide if a plant is edible or not when they're in the wild and don't have access to some of the dichotomous keys that we have. We can trust our intuition. Um, and so, yeah, in that community, I would love to
just type up a little reminder about what the four S's are and give access for anyone who had to drop out early. But that is all I have for you all for tonight. I will be checking the community page. I'll upload a few things for you within the next 24 hours. And um, just really looking forward to seeing you in other classes next week for our Toxic Twins.